on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Try some things out. You're young. You don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future. Try some different things out. See what you like. If it's at all possible, spend your time working in something that you like to do. And that's cliched, but it couldn't be more true. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, Gathering the Kings Nation? Chaz Wolf coming back to you this week with a guest, Michael Pink. This dude has been around for a minute. He is a seasoned veteran to the space that he's going to speak about, and I just love how he jumps into a lot of the decisions that he's made over the years. I think that you guys are going to get a ton of value from uh, some of the, I wouldn't call it regret, but some of the things he looks back and reflects on in his later years, and I think that a lot of the a lot of the guys listening to this show are going to get value because he's fast-forwarded things for you. Get that pen and paper. Here it comes. All right, everybody, Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings. I'm your host. I've got Michael Pink on the stage today. Welcome, Michael. How are you? Good, sir. Chaz, I'm very well. Happy to be here with you. You know, I just so appreciate a, a humble approach. This is going to be a fun show. So for the listener who's tuning in right now and doesn't know anything about you, the, the little bit that I have come to know in just a, a little bit of interaction is that you have a you have a healthy perspective on life, and so I'm 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 really curious to uh, see how this conversation goes and where it turns out. What what kind of value we bring to the listener? Um, tell us tell us what kind of business that you're in, Michael. Uh, I'm in the real estate business. I wear two hats. One of them is uh, a business that I started in 1986 called Map Real Estate Incorporated. It specializes in the world of office space as distinct, for example, from industrial or retail. And we specialize in the representation always and only of the corporate tenant. Okay. Now, sometimes we negotiate a lease that's not for office space, but we specialize in office. And sometimes we negotiate the purchase of the building or the office space that our client wants to occupy, but mostly it's leases. Okay, great. And then what's the other hat that, you, that, that you're wearing in the real estate space? My other hat is called Investing in Communities. And that is the name of a nonprofit social enterprise that my wife and I founded as the result of something we began to do 25 years ago as part of MAP Real Estate. Believe it or not, when my company was nine years old, before I thought I really could afford to do something like this, I said to Sharon, Ooh, I would like to try to be in business in a different way so that when I'm working hard, I know I'm doing it to try to benefit us and I want it to benefit the world and I want not to be able to separate those two things. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're going to definitely dig Thanks. into that because I don't know of a, of a more kingly 
mindset to have. Um, we were just kind of chatting about this offline, um, you know, for the listener who didn't get to hear us, but uh, we were talking about, you know, kind of like this King mindset and, and taking, you know, really ownership of more people around you than just yourself. And, and really that's what happens at a certain level in the business. Uh, and it sounds like what you've done as far as even um, outside of the business, kind of merging two worlds together and uh, taking ownership for others around you in your life and um, providing. Um, that's, uh, that's a very kingly thing to do. So uh, I want to get into your story here and figure out how you got into business. Tell us how entrepreneurship started. You said you've been in business a long time, you know, so 25 plus years. Where did it all start for you? Well, it all started in fourth grade when my parents moved the family from a northern suburb of Chicago right downtown. And we moved into a 40-story apartment building. I was in fourth grade. My next older brother was uh, two years, two grades ahead of me. And uh, we moved from a very large house into a three-bedroom apartment. And my brother and I began a dog-walking and shoe-shining business. And our uh, clientele was residents in our 40-story building. That's how it started. And um, continuing that, I had two part-time jobs uh, pretty much throughout high school, not because I needed it, but for some reason I wanted to do this. And in fact, my father, I'm afraid that I really hurt his feelings once when I was in ninth grade and I said, dad, I don't need to get an allowance anymore. <laughs> not being, took it into your own hands. Not being a parent myself, it, it escaped me that maybe I was depriving him of something which gave him great joy as my father. Right. But at any rate, then I went into uh, a business in New Mexico with my oldest brother that was distributing industrial fasteners and buying and selling used machine tools at auction around the country. Three Mile Island occurred and made the uranium electric power generating industry on planet Earth go away overnight. Wow. Our customers were the uranium mines primarily and the contractors that built them and maintained them. Sure. So I came back to Chicago to reinvent myself and got into the commercial real estate brokerage industry as an office tenant rep. That was 1985. I started Map Real Estate the next year, and that's what we'll talk about. Yeah, I love that. I love, um, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan of real estate. I've got a couple of real estate companies as well. I love the creativity that you can go. You can go in different directions. You can pretty much do whatever you want in real estate. And so you found a home there. I'm curious, did real estate specifically jump out to you because of like how you were raised or because of maybe just your business experience or things that your dad did? Like, where did that come from? Like how you were raised? Did that influence you at all is what I'm, what I'm asking. It didn't. It did not. In fact, if I can answer your question a little bit in uh, from the end to the beginning, my dad died 10 days after I was 19. Okay. Wow. He and I never had the first conversation about business. In fact, he and my mother both wanted the three boys not to worry about money and instead live life, have experiences, go to camp, travel, 
stale walk around the woods looking for things, which is what I've always loved to do. Sure. Uh, don't worry about working. Right. So I also began working at a very early age at home because my dad would pay us to do things like weed the garden. Right. Happy to do it. So I, I got absolutely no direction whatsoever, none from either of my parents about what to do with my life other than try to live it and love it. Yeah. Do you think uh, I, like that's such an interesting perspective, you know, obviously with me having young kids and you having that perspective and now I'm sure, you know, just in a different place in life. But do you think that that because they literally gave you nothing to your point, right? Do you think that that spurred you into like, oh, I got to figure this out because I don't have anything? Or did you wonder for a while? No, well, before well, you had to figure it out. Let me be clear. They gave us everything material. Sure. What they didn't provide is guidance. Right and structure. Yeah. So yeah. I graduated after four and a half years at a small liberal arts school in Northern California in the middle seventies with a degree in university studies. I have always been interested in so many things that during college with no direction, I didn't declare a major. I was right. interested in everything. So university studies now peculiarly has come back into vogue as being something apparently that corporate employers are interested in because it means you have a broad perspective on the world. My oldest brother told me what he was going to do. So I said, oh, uh, I'll do that with you. And that was moved to Albuquerque to start a nut and bolt distributing business from scratch. Right. When I got out of college, I came back home to spend some time with my mom because she was alone then. This right. is downtown Chicago. And I got into the cut flower business because I love cut flowers. Wasn't to make a lot of money. So this really has been very much a, a journey of discovery, uh, which uh, has been most unorganized. And among right. the lessons that I've learned is uh, go to work for somebody and learn on their dime, then change companies if you want. Go to work for somebody else. I was so allergic to the idea of having my own business again after New Mexico and after Three Mile Island put us out right. of business. Right. But all I wanted to do was find an older person from whom I could learn you know, the, the, the proverbial expression is carry their briefcase. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Sadly, that didn't pan out for me. And the people that I worked with when I moved back to Chicago were even worse than my former partner, not my brother. He and I had a, a partner in Albuquerque, even worse than him. So 14 months after I came back to Chicago, having lost everything in New Mexico, here I am starting my own business again. And that's Map Real Estate. Yeah. Do you feel like at that point it was out of necessity or it was like, okay, you had a genuine fresh perspective on what business could be for you? Well, it was out of necessity in that I needed a job. Right. I didn't really want to be living in my mother's uh, condo. Uh, and real estate had always been of interest to me, urban planning, architecture, 
the built environment. Uh, long, long ago, when I was, uh, I think, a senior in high school, I read Lewis Mumford's The City in History. And I've always been fascinated with the concept of the city as the real visible, most prominent manifestation of humanity on planet Earth. Yeah. So for me to be living downtown in the John Hancock building, big, tall building, being able to begin a profession in that world was of interest to me. It also took no capital. I didn't have right. to have employees. It was effectively a consulting practice. And I have been a consultant for the last 36, 37 years. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that just there's so much to pull out there, you know, that you have just over the years of experience. What would you say for the person right now who's listening? There's two sides of the coin, similar to you, where they had no direction and they kind of had to just bump around until they figured it out. Or to the person who thinks they've got it nailed down. What would you say to both of these parts? They're running their business. It's a six-figure business. They haven't reached the seven-figure mark yet. They're trying to get there. And from your experience, does a dial-in focus mean more than just a, a bouncing around, figure it out? Like, what would you say to one or both of these people? Well, first of all, my advice to anyone going into business would be try some things out. You're young. You don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future. Try some different things out. See what you like. If it's at all possible, spend your time working in something that you like to do. And that's cliched, but it couldn't be more true. I think it may also be cliched, but also couldn't be more true that you're better off learning how to do someone something as the employee of a company that knows how to do it than declaring to the world, I'm now going to do it better than anybody. <laughs> might, might make sense to go to school first and working for another company is the latter life equivalent of going to school. Sure, 100%. Um, in, in terms of someone who has no idea what they want to do, think about what brings you joy. I'm about to be 67 years old. People used to say that to me, and it was as if they were speaking spaceman talk. You're right. Now right. I get it. Yeah, now you get it because you you've got perspective on years. Um, okay, so what I'm hearing you say from, from the guy who's kind of bouncing around a little bit unorthodox as far as, you know, uh, stages, uh, if you will, is to, to dial in on what he, what brings him joy. The other guy who's super focused, you would say that that's great, but also make sure that the time is being spent long term. That's again, you, you're bringing it back to the word joy, which I think is just great perspective, especially I'm sure there's a lot of young entrepreneurs listening and um, and sometimes it's, it's a hustle. It's a grind. You got to do things that maybe are a little uncomfortable, some things that you maybe don't want to do in order for your business to succeed. Do you mean find joy, meaning like only do the things that are easy and fun? Or do you mean something at a, like a deeper level? Much deeper level. And, and first of all, um, this might sound terribly corny, but be ethical, period, no matter what. Absolutely, no matter what else, be ethical. Now, what I meant by do something that brings you joy, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to smile all the time. It means that it is fulfilling to you. Yeah, bigger picture. Yes. 
Okay. Well, let's talk about um, some of those things, those, some of those X's and O's inside the business. I love to talk about decisions. Um, for me, decisions have, um, you know, good or bad, um, led us to exactly where we are. And so I want to hear about some decisions that you've made. Specifically, let's start with a bad decision, something that you did along the way that was just rough uh, in the business. And, and you think the listener would be able to you know, take some notes here and, and learn what not to do through your bad decision. <laughs> okay. Well, it was absolutely idiotic for my brother and me to start our company called Lightning Bolts. It was truly idiotic. Neither one of us had a clue what we were doing. My brother, because he's eight years older, he was the boss. He he ran the office. He was the head of the company. Uh, I needed to figure out what I was going to do. And I needed to make everything else work except what went on in and from the front office. So I was running the warehouse. I learned how to drive a forklift. I was actually quite good at it. I traveled around the country looking for surplus job lots of nuts and bolts, as they're referred to. I once bought three semi loads, 120,000 pounds of nuts and bolts left over from the construction of Sears Tower in Chicago. Wow. I found them at a scrapyard in Indiana, and we shipped them back to Albuquerque. So my end of the business was running the warehouse and traveling around the country to source these fasteners. I'm telling you this because when I first got to Albuquerque, I literally did not know which was the nut and which is the bolt. (laughs) You don't want to do that. You want to learn something about what you're doing. That's my strong advice to your listeners. Sure. Don't start your own company. Go to work for somebody else's company and see what they're doing, right and wrong. Right. Well, and if they're already in their business, right, because most likely the listener is uh, running their own business, what I'm hearing you say that's applicable for them is become a master at your trade. And whether that's you specifically first, being the craftsman or the coach or the marketer or the whatever you are in your business, the the agent, um, but you you can eventually grow the business, obviously, by hiring other people, but then you have to make sure they're a, then a craftsman or a specialist in, in what it is that they're doing. And so I think the educational piece that you're referring to still makes perfect sense. You know, you have to, <laughs> you got to know what you're doing in order to be an expert or confident in order to be able to provide a good service. Otherwise, you're kind of just shooting by the, by the hip. Well, but, but the, the point I want to stress to, to clarify this line of discussion is that there are a couple ways you can educate yourself. One is by trying to figure out how to do it by yourself. The other is by learning from people who already know how to do it. Yeah, 100%. I strongly counsel the latter approach. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that's why, you know, um, in the last, you know, 20 years, you know, business coaches or even mastermind groups like mine uh, exist is because if you can get around someone else. um, I remember when I bought my first franchise, the one of the very first things that I did is I said, okay, I I talked to the office, the corporate office, I said, okay, who are the top 10 guys? And what are their phone numbers? Well, we can't give it to you. Okay, great. Well, how do I get it? (laughs) Um, Because I wanted to call them, I wanted to take notes, I wanted to sit at their feet. How do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do this? How do you do that? Right? So 
I think I think everything that you're saying makes perfect sense. Even for the entrepreneur who maybe is struggling, it makes even more sense because they probably haven't realized that they're not that good. They they almost have like a false sense of of um, of arrogance, really. You know, they're not that good, obviously, because their business isn't growing. <laughs> so you press in and and you can grow a business, but it has to be more than just you at that point, right? Because you can be you can be really good, but um, you know, you can only take it so far. So, okay. Let's flip the script uh, on the decision. Um, let's flip it to the good decision. What what have you done along the way in business that just has made so much sense that you'd do it 10 times over? Well, I have to tell you, Jazz, I believe that the decision to turn MAP Real Estate into a social enterprise before I had ever heard the term. I don't think there were a lot of people in 1995 talking about social enterprise. Sure. And it's a decision that I made that I have never regretted. You know, call me weird to think that I like the idea of getting a new assignment, a.k.a. business opportunity, and the paperwork that creates the business opportunity, which is the agency agreement that makes me the exclusive broker, is signed at the same time that our philanthropic pledge is signed by me and our client right. for us to give away 10% of whatever it is we're going to earn. And, and the 10% had nothing at all to do with any particular religious orientation or, or ethical anything. It had to do with the fact that I wanted, each time we wrote a distribution check, I wanted it to be meaningful to the recipient. Yeah. So 100%. we simply said 10% of the gross. And that has led me now to be able to share with you and your audience that Map Real Estate Incorporated has recently joined the pretty exclusive ranks of less than 5,000 businesses on planet Earth that have achieved the status of becoming a certified B corporation. Tell us what that is. Well, so there's a there's a... 501c3 in Philadelphia called B Lab. I met them in 2010 when I attended the Social Enterprise Alliance in Chicago for the first time. And I discovered there was a whole world of people who think the way I do. And all that's happened since then is that I've learned that there, that world has gotten bigger and bigger. And right. if you think, uh, perhaps you and your audience is familiar with the term greenwashing. Okay. So greenwashing can be used more generally to refer to claims and boasts that are made by companies about what they're doing that's good in the world that are bunk, not true. Not true, okay. So if you have achieved being a certified B corporation, the world can hear what you are saying and rely that what you're saying is actually accurate because it has been certified by this third party that exists for one person, one reason only. And that is to promote the concept of social enterprise through the certified B process. Uh, And I am very proud that Map Real Estate has achieved that distinction. That's awesome. And congrats on that. Um, to make a Thanks. quick um, just clarification point for the listener. And when you say oh, social enterprise, you mean when you do business, immediately, automatically, 
there's a philanthropic approach or money given away to another person to some benefit, but basically they're, they're intertwined. It's not you're doing business and then you choose to give. It's when business happens specifically, there is a unique connection that when that transaction happens, that top 10% gets sent uh, off as a, as a social donation. That's uh, the 10% is the model that map real estate employs. Yeah. Other points on the spectrum of social enterprise are represented by a company like Tom's Shoes, sure. Warby yep. Parker Eyeglasses, Bombas Socks. Those three companies are called buy one, give one. But there's a, the, the spectrum of social enterprise is broad and it's getting wider and deeper every day. Yeah. You can be a company like Boeing. People might not think that Boeing has any business being talked about on the spectrum of social enterprise, and yet it has a remarkably long-standing and robust employee philanthropy world within Boeing. Yeah, yeah. So whether the company has achieved the distinction of being a certified B corporation, whether or not it self-identifies as a social enterprise, whether or not it has simply genuine corporate social responsibility activities, which is referred to as CSR. I'm not talking about aspirational. I'm talking about actually doing. That type of company in my book belongs on the spectrum legitimately of social enterprise. One of our service marks at MAP Real Estate and Investing in Communities is real simple. And it, it may not be grammatically correct, but you'll get the meaning doing business, doing good. Yeah. And it's related to doing well by doing good, which is a more common way of talking about that. Right. But the idea that I could unavoidably connect my ability to do business and do good has been right. a very nice thing for my head. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, you know, what you what you've got is obviously just a very automated way to do it, which is fantastic. And I think that the encouragement that I would give the listener is that not only for like in your case, you wanted to make it for your client, right? Like when the client does business with you, they know that immediately there's purpose, there's a deeper connection, there's a social um, you know aspect to it. But I also think as the entrepreneur, in order to press into our businesses, especially when it's difficult, especially when it's hard, especially when, you know, we have to do things that maybe, um, you know, aren't the everyday type of a thing in a business, mm -hmm. we have to pull the, we have to pull on those strings on the inside of us of what touch our purpose. And we have to remind ourselves of why we're doing what we're doing constantly. In fact, to know that is one thing, but then to remind yourself is, is a whole nother. So I love how you've just designed a way to remind yourself in essence why you do what you do. And I think that it's, it's not only um, for the client, but it's, it's for you. And I know you know that for the listener who, who hears it too, it's not just to put on a good face, like you said, and say that we do good things. It's just a, um, an outward manifestation of how it is that you feel as an entrepreneur. And if you can connect that specifically to like how you are designed or what your purpose is, Man, you want to talk about like waking up every day with like a reason to push and a reason to grow your team, a reason to grow your business, or a reason to impact your community. I mean, that stuff will like move you forward in a big push. You know what I mean? 
it's it's good for your heart. I think it's good for your muscles. I think it's good for you as a human. I can only imagine it's not going to make my life shorter. It has every chance of making my life longer. This is right. how I like to be in business. That's right. And I, this is how I want to be on the planet. But let me tell you, and there is um, data to support this. I don't have it at my disposal, but I know the data exists. Businesses that have a social mission in addition to their commercial mission have more engaged employees, have more engaged customers and clients. Totally. And you can make more money by doing business, doing good, and you get to do more good. And it's a positive feedback loop. That's reality. Yeah, 100%. That, that hit home and uh, hopefully it does for the listener as well. Um, okay, we're going to transition to the speed round. For these questions, we're going to try to go one-word answers, but okay. I'm notorious for asking follow-up questions, so don't be surprised. <laughs> okay, speed round question number one is, in your business, uh, what is the main metric that you would pick? If you could only track one thing, what would it be? Well, it's how many deals you're getting. Top-line sales? Well, I suppose it's a high-margin uh business being in commercial real estate brokerage being in any real estate brokerage is a high margin business i think yeah so so number of deals um i'm a huge fan of uh sales being the the main the main metric so we're in alignment there what book would you recommend that a six figure owner read in order to educate themselves as i shared with you previously i don't read business books probably that's a mistake, but it's a fact. I did, however, find a book very early in my career as an office tenant rep. The name of the book is Negotiating Rationally. There you go. Yeah. And it is applicable far beyond the confines of negotiating a real estate transaction. Oh, sure. 100%. Communication. It's everything. It, it, it really is about understanding what your best alternatives mean to you. What do they cost? Right. And when you're going to negotiate for the target, how can you do that without knowing what the alternatives cost? How do you know when to stop negotiating? How do you know when to know, ooh, I just did a great deal in the negotiations. I got what I wanted, what I needed. It's done now. Right. If you don't right. have the context, it's pretty difficult to figure those things out. Hundred percent, and I think that applies to all areas of life. Um, you know, my my wife trying to negotiate with me on moving the chicken coop tonight. You know, like <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to win that negotiation. You know, I don't know. If there's too many spots in there, Michael, that uh, that I'm going to win on. But uh, I bet the chicken coop gets moved, and wifey will be happy. That's what I know. That's how I'll win. <laughs> yeah. Are you familiar with? Uh, th- these are not syllables that come naturally to all people, but to smart people, I think they do. Are you familiar with yes, dear? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I am. And, um, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, use it. Right. Exactly. Um, it's funny because it's on this exact topic, the, the chicken, the chicken house, I'll, I'll delineate from this in just three seconds. Okay. Listener here, but here, my chicken story. Okay. This was like a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we got in a little muddle about the chicken coop. And um, because I really don't enjoy anything to do with the chickens. And she loves them. They're like her babies. She's got like 30 of them. 
And we don't do it for the eggs. We do it for the experience. You know, she loves caring for them. Our daughters help take care. It's it's great all the way around. I just don't want to be involved. (laughs) But every time she asks, I say yes. Because that's what I'm supposed to do. And so we had a little a little muddle about it because I didn't want to do it, but I was doing it. And, you know, there's there's those moments where you just say yes, dear. I just didn't say yes, dear, and then put a period on it. I I had a yes, dear, comma, uh, and some other thoughts, but um, I need to take your advice on that and uh, put a period at the end of that yes, dear. <laughs> okay, next question. Do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs? I certainly intentionally network. Uh, the idea, uh, so yes, if you want one word, the word is yes. <laughs> um, what what value do you get from networking? Well, I don't network with um, other people who do what I do. Okay. It doesn't occur to me that much will come to me as a result of networking with them because they would like to get the deal instead of my getting the deal. Sure. Sure. I network with clients, with friends. I love to meet new people. Hello, Chaz. Yeah. Um, I have been uh, participating on this uh, thing called lunch club. Uh, I've met now literally a couple hundred new people around the world, actually, I just have a good time talking to people. I talk to people when I'm standing with them in the elevator. Sure. You learn things. I mean, it it really falls under the same heading for me as if I'm walking through the forest and I see a rock that I can pick up, chances are I'm going to pick it up and see what's under it. Yep. Yep. How am I also going to find out? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, there's a natural curiosity, I think, to intelligence, really. And you can't learn more if you don't have a desire to know more and you don't have a desire to know more unless you're curious. And so I think that it stems from a place of wanting more. So great. I appreciate that. Last question. You ready? Yep. If you lost it all, what would you do? If I lost it all in terms of financial wherewithal, I would probably seek to relocate out of the country uh, to where the standard of living is good and much less expensive. I go. have a perfect model uh, in my oldest brother, who is now a citizen of Mexico and has lived oh. there for about 13 years. Wow. Okay. I was going to ask, uh, where are you going to go? Are you going to go to Mexico or somewhere else? I, I don't know where I would go, actually. Uh, okay. If I lost everything, meaning my health, which is a heck of a lot more important than the cash. That's right. You know, I would uh, try to be physically comfortable as much as I could. Right. You know, and I would spend even more time looking at uh, minerals and insects and plants and flowers. Taking a walk in the woods. Yeah. That's right. Well, um, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here on uh, the show today. Um, If someone wanted to connect with you, how would they find you? Well, I wish they would find me at iiconline.org. Okay. I am the co-founder, chairman, and executive director. I'm all over it. They can find me there or they can find me at maprealestate.com. That's great. Either place. 
Yeah, I, I just so appreciate your perspective, um, you know, the ability that you have to look back and uh, to share with uh, other entrepreneurs, especially uh, young hustlers out there right now. And uh, they're, they're trying to just, you know, grind, which is that's OK. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think that um, there's a perspective for every stage and you've given us definitely um, that perspective here today. So thank you again. We wish you nothing but absolute success in all that you've got going on. Love the social play that you've uh, had for so many years, but almost even trailblazing that for uh, many in the industry. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you, Travis. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.